discovered the podcast Why Are UFOs Top Secret with expert Bob Bria. July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. Army officers say the missile, found sometime last week, has been inspected at Roswell, New Mexico, and sent to Wright Field, Ohio, for further inspection. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> it is an early one for us. This is an early one, but it's because it's the 4th of July, and it's because the, uh, you know, the heat's out there, and trying to keep cool so we got the ac on here and me, turn the AC off. <laughs> me and my partner are trying to stay cool and uh, it's going to be a warm day so we're going to interview uh we're going to have uh, an interview that we uh came up with from uh harry reed and uh he's done yeah he's he's definitely stuck his he has said some provocative things he right? has definitely tiptoed around this subject without of course, the press did just yeah, yes just and, like, and also highlight it Yes, he, he, he didn't reveal anything significant, but he, he certainly tiptoed around the, the topic, which uh, during an interview that he had uh, at the last part of the interview, he was asked by the interviewer, uh, Mr. Uh, do you know things about this program that you can't discuss publicly? And his answer was, yep. <laughs> that was James Walsh, the author. No, it's actually this oh. fellow right here, Eric Benson. Oh, that was the. Oh, that's a separate article. A separate, I see. yeah. And, and during the interview, he he speaks about this um, this fellow that I know from reading about him. His name is um, Robert Bigelow, and he's been involved in the uh, aerospace industry for um, quite a while. Made a lot of money, and as a young man. He heard about a story from his grandparents about driving about driving down from Mount Charleston near Las Vegas where they saw a so-called flying saucer. For lack of a better description, Bob became very wealthy and he would pay for these conferences about UFOs and he would bring in scientists and academics and a, and a few nutcases. <laughs> and, Wait a minute, I wonder if sometimes they were the same. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Mr. Bigelow has been interviewed by uh, Lara Logan, which oh. is a very uh, bright uh, uh, reporter. And uh, she she spoke to him about uh, having to deal with this subject in the public uh, in the public domain. And, and he says that uh, he doesn't care what the public says. And... Uh, He's very, um, you know, he's very sure that uh, we're being visited and that this information is being withheld. You know, you say he's very short, short, uh, 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 you know, short-winded about it, right? Yeah, that's right. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and information that continuously uh, uh, accumulates to support the, the cover-up uh, continues. And uh, right in front of me, I have a book that uh, commemorates the, uh, the 70th anniversary of this, uh, this cover-up. And now we're in the 75th year of this cover-up. I just wanted to uh, review some uh, parts of this um, book put together by uh, two very good uh, reporters and uh, journalists, Donald Schmidt and uh, Kevin Randall. And uh, they interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people uh, to put this, uh, this latest book up on the, uh, the line of uh, the many books that they have put out. So they're constantly uh, updating their information. But um, what I have found over the years is that when the MJ-12 document came out in the 80s, it was very little uh, believability in it because it was so sensational what it what it said. Yeah, you can't compare it to today. Like it, it, you would just be – we've been exposed to so many things and the world got smaller and so much media out there and it's just, okay, a lot of um, – the rate of believability has gone way up since then. But yeah. if you can imagine, that was super provocative. Yeah, the, 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 the fact that the war, okay, was just over, and two years later we're dealing with a, uh, a subject that uh, became very uh, important to the government, so, so much that uh, they had to change uh, rules in the way that they uh, – cover information and the way to handle information. The FOIA Act, which is the famous Freedom of Information Act, is uh, specifically constructed to handle information that should not see the public light of day. And uh, through the use of that uh, act, it, it controls uh, classified information. And so... When this subject became annoying to be uh, more accurate, they don't want to answer these questions of what happened at New Mexico and Roswell uh, in the 40s. And uh, to, to go back and think about how important it was to, uh, to not uh, overreact to this uh, invasion, as I call it, um, Many military observers back in the, uh, the 40s and 50s did see these objects, and uh, some were more willing to discuss them, and uh, many were not, because they, they thought they would be put into a, the, the wacky group, as uh, they, uh, they call them. It's the CIA had to get involved in this subject because the public was actually getting a little hysterical that these objects were here. And it wasn't the first and time. maybe they were afraid the 
thought the thoughts of the public they could kind of lose control of the whole thing yeah sure the imagination and then the believability goes up and then they mm-hmm. everybody freaks out and wants to know more mm-hmm. and the answers and then, can't be they're, given they're in a pressure cooker yeah because the, if if they if they start to answer the the questions that one question is going to lead to another one and, and at that time they didn't have the answers to those questions so the best approach would be to silence this 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 subject as completely nonsense which they did. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, during the, the course of my podcast, which I'm now up to the, my 40th podcast, I'm very proud to say that my partner has come up with a, quite, a, uh, quite a few pieces that we've interjected into our uh, podcast. One of them is the, uh, the pilot's uh, reports that were off the coast of California that, that received a lot of public attention. And... Uh, we, we integrated that, uh, that piece into the beginning of our podcast. And so it, it works out good because those pilots uh, are very excited about what they're looking at. And uh, they're trained to uh, pay attention to what's moving up in the air because they could crash into it just like a, a guy on the ground with a car that's out of control. So uh, the pilots are very aware of what's, uh, what's in front of them. And... Uh, when the pilots get excited about something, I get excited because many years ago, it's probably the pilots' reports that convinced me that uh, there's something flying around, and uh, the different airline pilots that reported these uh, these sightings were listed in a, in a book uh, back in the '60s. So. Uh, I mean, the accumulation of uh, circumstantial evidence uh, to to put perspective on on, on a subject that is so complicated it, it gives uh, it gives the excuse to to many people to to not uh, take it serious. And I've heard this from many many people who would like to believe it, but they're just so brainwashed from the. Uh, I call it the Pentagon version of this uh, this subject mm-hmm. because there are two there are two versions, and uh, on the weekend of July fourth, nineteen forty seven, this subject became really different because when the story came out that a object was picked up by the uh, the military. All of a sudden, the Pentagon stepped in, and uh, there's a very famous picture that uh, is in the books uh, with a military man named Jesse Marcel, Major Jesse Marcel, and uh, another general. His name was General Roger Ramey. Uh, he, he came from the Pentagon. We should and, do an episode on him. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, 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 he shows there's up. A, there's a, a drill down we need to do on that. He shows yeah. up to, uh, to portray uh, a misguided weather balloon and, and get that photograph into the newspapers and circulate that all around the country so that the public would believe that this, that this major Okay, so made he was a mistake. the one holding the – or he was in the picture. He's in the, the photo with, with the, Major Marcel. Well, supposedly the Roswell parts of uh, yes, yeah, the, the weather which was, but coincidentally, fake. but coincidentally, Rob, you know what? He also was in that room with him. 
in his hand was a was a piece of paper, uh-huh. and that piece of paper became analyzed you later. Can zoom in on it. They uh, the camera work <laughs> and uh, the ability to zoom in and uh, focus what was in that piece of paper that that Ramey was holding was quite quite interesting because that's what they did to Biden recently. Too. Yeah, walk here. Say hi. Here, say hello. Turn yeah. left. You know. <laughs> yeah, and, and and the information that, that was uh, retrieved from that uh, that piece of paper indicated that uh, there were creatures, and uh, there was a craft, and um, so he had that for reference to make sure their cover up mm-hmm, yeah. covered it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Major Marcel had to go along with this. Uh, secrecy because the Pentagon was on his back. And not only that, that he worked for the 509th, which was a classified uh, base, which uh, during the war held. Ramey did? Uh, well, General Ramey was in charge of a lot of things at the Pentagon. And uh, he showed up uh, in a, at another interesting uh, event in 1952 when these objects were f- seen over the White House. Uh-huh. He he made a press uh, conference, and and the, the press conference was attended by General Ramey and John Stanford. Which he was wasn't a, named. He wasn't named in the MJ twelve, but he was. He no, seems no. like a, a henchman. Yeah, he, he was <laughs> the know, one was, go around and telling people to keep quiet. Mm-hmm. And uh, during the uh, the uh, announcement of the uh, flyover in the fifties, fifty two exactly. Um, General Stanford made a public uh, statement on the on the radio and television about this uh, flyover, and made a made a statement that it was nothing more than the atmospheric uh, conditions, <laughs> and you know it's just another story. It's but, a UFO. No, it's a cumulus cloud. Oh, you're right. It looks like cotton. Sorry. And then when I looked at the photo of of, Stan, of uh, what he called General Stanford. Uh, reading this press conference, and I see the picture of General Ramey sitting next to him. I'm mm. saying, what in the world <laughs> is General Ramey over there uh, supporting the 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 what do you call the word is a uh, denunciation uh, <laughs> of that uh, object as being nothing mm. more than weather uh, mm-hmm. related. And this has continued, which over was and found over. out to be a lie and a cover up, and admittedly admitted to be mm-hmm. later, mm-hmm. right? So, okay, just putting that out there, he was at the center of something that was shown to be a lie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he lied; maybe he was doing what he was told. But interesting, to say the least. The uh the questions that are put into this uh, uh, book, uh, Cover Up at Roswell, um, by Schmidt and Randall, has some uh, important questions at the end of the book uh, in the for- in the afterword. And one of the questions is, if the crash was so important, why did Max Braswell wait four days to report it? Now, Max Braswell, Braxwell, Braswell was the ranch owner who... Uh, notified the the uh, 509th that something uh, was on this property and uh, it didn't uh, didn't sit right you know and uh, it caused the military to uh, be inquisitive and of course the uh, max uh, 
Yeah, because apparently it had been there for some weeks before he finally reported it to someone. Or I believe he is. Is this the gentleman who said he waited a few days because he was waiting for other people to report it? And he didn't really want I, I think he didn't want to be, sound like he's crazy. Well, it, it, when you look at the size of the ranch that this fella mm-hmm. was managing, it was a 75,000 acre ranch. That's like that's like a public. I mean, that's like uh, <laughs> seven he, seven head Yellowstone of, National Park. Seven hundred yeah. head of cattle and sheep were on this uh, open range, uh, and so th- this is a pretty uh, wide open area. I mean, even today, I mean, if you take a car and you go to Roswell, I mean, you could drive for a hundred miles and and still see yeah, the except, desert. Except that the next morning, all the cattle were stacked in the pyramid and gutted. Right? No, <laughs> okay, I I added that part. Sorry. I'm going too far. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, that's a whole nother story, <laughs> the mutilations. Whether you believe those or not. Yeah. Uh, I also found out recently that, uh, as, as a side note, um, Linda Moulton Howell, who was a uh, researcher in this field, uh, she, she was on an episode of uh, Unsolved Mysteries the other night, and uh, I wasn't aware that not only were cattle and bovines and, you know, mm-hmm. animals of that type were being uh, mutilated. But uh, all types of animals, from coyotes to snakes to uh, she raccoons. Said she said that recently. It's not, it wasn't just cow. It's not just cows. That collecting all this, this evidence of, of the bodies of these animals not only being uh, operated on it in, in a very odd fashion, but the, the blood was completely drained out yeah. of all these creatures, not only the cows, but like I just mentioned, the, the other animals, every animal that was mutilated and had organs removed had their blood drained out of it. Now, that that's, has something to do. And I just can't – some people say it's government – programs yeah, testing things, but why wouldn't they i mean that's the only way they can get a cow why wouldn't they just purchase i mean they, the, we just found out the irs spent seven hundred fifty thousand dollars on ammunition now mm-hmm. why is the irs buying seven hundred fifty thousand? but i mean if they bought you know 20 cows i don't think anybody would really care like it's done all the time why would it you know that i just can't accept that as the explanation that it's a government program yeah. yeah, I have a hard time accepting that. But it is weird, and I didn't want to make this podcast about it. But. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it drifts into uh, connecting all these possibilities of, of what these creatures are here for. You know, and that's been a dilemma for uh, investigators because we can't get a, a, a true answer. And uh, over the years, there's been investigators who have been diligently uh, requesting information from various agencies in our government for information on uh, this subject. And uh, lo and behold, uh, most of it is back talk and double talk, as I call it, whereas you have a polite way of answering and not giving you a, the, the, the answer that you're looking for and just distracting you to go to another department uh, and get the uh, an answer from them and they get, and then you get the same response from them too. another back talk, uh, negative answer that doesn't supply you with anything significant. So you're back to where you started from, which shows you 
the, the level, in my opinion, of the classification of this subject. We had no alternative but to cover this subject up. The United States was fearful of uh, panic, basically. And uh, the fact that there was no uh, open uh, meeting, uh, the, these, these creatures didn't come down and say, hello, how are you? Uh, we've been traveling all these miles and uh, we need a cup of coffee. No, that didn't happen. So the fact that the secrecy had to uh, be imposed was, uh, I, I guess, uh, the last resort. They had no alternative. And uh, they've been keeping this from the public for all these years and trying to drip, drip, drip it into uh, public's consciousness that uh, we're not alone. And yet they never really come up and say, we are alone. But they just keep it sort of in the air that uh, the possibilities. Uh, we're not sure. We're not, We're not sure. sure what that lies. We, we have the SETI program, which which has been looking for life out there, you know, and uh, we have telescopes and we have all kinds of instruments that are trying to find life. <laughs> but the government actually is lying because <laughs> this object that came down in New Mexico created a, a different way that the government was going to operate up until that time. There were only sightings being made, like I've mentioned in previous episodes. During the war, we had sightings. We had no uh, no evidence of a crash during the war. We had no evidence of anything until 1947. And when that particular... And if we did, it was intercepted before the public had knowledge. Yes. Like, you know, who has the radar? Uh, the government, the military, right? So... They'll, they should see something first, unless it doesn't show up on radar, which has been reported as well in some of the reports, right? Mm -hmm. These things disappear off radar. Or don't, mm -hmm. uh, I'd like us to do an episode on, on, on UFOs and water, because often they come out of water, like the ocean, and, and it, it's just kind of glossed over. I mean, to me, that's, yeah, it, it's so interesting how there's this connection with water. And, and, and I don't know, I just never heard anyone really cover that. So. Mm -hmm. It would be interesting to dive into the water on that one. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> we we did we did start as mammals, didn't we? Yeah, uh, well, you we know. evolved out of the water, according to Darwin. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like this article that you that you were showing me, um, the one by James Walsh mm -hmm. about the. Did you want to read that? Or you, no, I that actually section? wanted you to read that. You, you that, that start that, here. Yeah, th th this piece that my, my partner is going to read. Uh, it comes from the. Uh, the pilots' reports that were being made uh, off the coast of uh, the USS Nimitz, and uh, okay, so this is yeah, this is the two, the clip that most of the public has seen by now. That little disc, kind of looking like a uh, gravitron. Uh, what are those those things called? Um, gyroscope, kind yeah, of right, well, it, and it kind of tilting it's on its turning, axis, and, yeah. and they're like, "Look at that thing, man! Look!" Right, that clip. This is the report that went with it. Right. This yeah, is and that the, came and that came out a couple of years pilots. ago, right? That that report. Two thousand four was the clip, but it wasn't released until yeah, like two years ago or something. Yeah, right? and it got a lot of excitement on. So the what move. happened to those sixteen years we missed? Mm -hmm. Right, it's just sitting there. What happened in the last sixteen years? Where are those clips? We got to wait another sixteen years to see. We only get one out of a million. Apparently. Well, the fellow that came on the TV, that uh, Louis Alexander, uh, Elizondo, who, yeah, yeah, he worked he's at the Pentagon it. and allegedly. 
uh, were trying to uh, do more investigation into this, and he was getting flack from his superiors for, for going forward with this. Even though we live in a free society, he was being uh, told to, to yeah, leave look, this alone. Look at this. Some of the accounts Elizondo and his team analyzed supposedly occurred near nuclear facilities. Hmm, they must be listening to your podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like power plants or battleships. The nuclear. Mm-hmm. The nuclear connection that we talk about all the time. All the time. In, in November 2004, the USS Princeton, a Navy cruiser escorting the aircraft carrier USS Nimitz off of the coast of San Diego, ordered two fighter jets to investigate mysterious aircraft the Navy had been tracking for weeks. Wait a minute. See, that's they were tracking it for weeks. For weeks? Mm-hmm. So that means, now wait a minute, how do you track a UFO for weeks? I would like someone, I want to talk to the guy that wrote this now. <laughs> I mean, does that mean it's coming back to the same spot over and over and over? I would think that's what that means. Either that or they were actually following it for two weeks, mm-hmm. which I, I would like to see the video to that. Keeping an eye on where it was All we going. get is one little clip. So that just tells you there's, there's a lot more footage. We saw one little thing. This must have been the first in- encounter or something. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm sorry, let me get back on on script here. Huh? So they ordered two fighter jets to investigate the mysterious aircraft. Um, they had been tracking it for weeks, meaning this was not just a trick of the eye or a momentary failure of perspective. The two things most often blamed for unexplained aerial phenomena. Well, that's well said. When the jets arrived at, at the location, one of the pilots, Commander David Fravor, Fravor, Maybe I'll put my French on there. Saw a disturbance just below the ocean surface, causing the water to roil around it. That's why I was, yeah, I was kind of reading ahead there. Then suddenly he saw a white 40-foot tic-tac-shaped craft moving like a ping-pong ball above the water. The vehicle began mirroring his plane's movements, but when Fravor drove directly at the object, the tic-tac zipped away. The Pentagon has said funding for the program ran out in 2012 and wasn't renewed. But Elizondo has claimed the project was alive and well when he resigned in October. <laughs> yeah, he's. Yeah. And, and, and remember this thing that occurred. Uh, if there's the- anybody that has a lot of knowledge that is not can, is not willing to say everything he can say, it's it's him. So mm-hmm. it kind of makes him popular because you know he knows some stuff. Yeah, and if he gets <laughs> if he gets hurt, and he he looks a little obvious, and he's likable too. I, I think he's a you know, I think he would like to tell everything he knows. You know, and he's wait and, and he's kind of been a good point person for that. Kind of looking back at the government, like, look, dude, they got more. Come on, <laughs> wow. So yeah, you never know what a, a ship could look like. It could look like an asteroid. That's it's some claim, but. You know, the fact that it, that came out of the water, that just fascinates me. Mm-hmm. That, that means there's a whole world. Go, you know, we, we're not even tracking down there. Well, so, <laughs> you know, what, what's kind of curious to I me. I guess we are. The Navy. We're, we're right? living in, in the age where we've developed drones. Okay. All the, all the countries that have technology are developing these drones. And now they're using them for personal use, for for real estate companies using them to, to survey and things like that. Archaeologists are using it to survey uh, areas. Oh, yeah, and, like the new technology that's like for looking into the ground. and Yeah, the the LIDAR, the, LIDAR mm-hmm, it's called. Mm-hmm. Now, it, 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 great, it gives the, the government a great excuse 
to write off these objects that are being seen as nothing more than drones, okay? Which, which is what they're doing, is because when they're asked what these objects are, the, the, the government seems to write it off as, uh, uh, oh, these could be uh, drones, you know, these could be, they never merely, they never really get down to the nitty gritty and say, if they were drones, they wouldn't be able to make right angle turns and, and stop on a dime and, uh, you know, and just take off at a, at a, at a speed that this just does not allow for G forces to be, uh, right. to be, uh, you know, accepted by the body. Uh, the military has a very interesting way of handling these objects. I mean, I've, I've come across statements that in the early 40s and 50s, there were commands by the government's military to shoot these things down. And uh, when they when they looked as though they were posing a threat to the airline that uh, was was watching them, um, there's there's records uh, on, on uh, file that have shown that uh, sometimes when the pilot was uh, getting ready to launch a missile at these objects, uh, the, uh, the the missile system in the plane didn't function. <laughs> and and, the, and the, the pilot was unable to control the, the non-working ability of the, of the, uh, the, 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 the uh, missiles. So you have a, a technology that could have the ability to interact with the the craft that that's uh, closest to them, and and uh, I mean these are just a fantastic stories that you know you kind of write them off, but then you keep coming across them, and you say, could could this be true? Well, could well. this be true? And uh, many years ago, I read where uh, a statement was made by a, a very competent uh, investigator that uh, you may not believe all these stories about UFOs, but just think of what it means if just one is true. So we come back to the true, true story, which is Roswell. And no matter how much they try to discourage people from accepting that uh, we're not alone in the universe, uh, the government had a hard time persuading the public after the... uh, the Kenneth Arnold sighting and after the Roswell sighting um, and crash occurred and the whole uh, recovery operation that took place after the crash, um, they had to incorporate uh, psychological ways to uh, discourage people from believing. And uh, one example to me today is (laughs) take a trip to New Mexico now, today. 1947, it was different. But today, it's a big tourist town. They got aliens on every corner selling pizza and sandwiches and uh, grubbing money from people. And I mean, it's, it's, it's like a joke town now. But a lot of people go there. And they, and they, and they uh, show you the, uh, the whole story of Roswell, oh, that a, an object crashed here. But they, 
they over-exaggerate the whole story to make it so sensational that it can't be true. In other words, they don't downplay it, they upplay it, <laughs> and this helps the uh, the discrediting of, of the reality of it that uh, I've heard military people say to me, say to books uh, and authors that nobody believes it anyway. And that's a very interesting statement because if, if this is true and, and, and you're telling somebody that the documents that, that I've been putting on this uh, podcast are absolutely true, then, then, then we have a big a lie going on for 75 years. And uh, no matter how many times you change the project name from Project Blue Book to ASIP to UAPs, to it's, it's still an ongoing uh, cover-up. Because if they, if they had the uh, agenda of what this uh, visit or this uh, observation is, uh, is uh, about, they would, they would tell us because it would be a lot easier to give us uh, a, a little bit of information and say that, you know, we will update you as, as things progress. But according to the information, uh, there's a, the secrecy is, is causing a, a bigger problem because in the 70s, I mentioned it in a previous episode, there was a class action suit against the Freedom of Information Act <laughs> because of their lack of response to a, a request for information That's from the CIA on... A class action suit, wow. For and, all the times when they bullshitted us, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, and they had attorneys and... You know, and, and the outcome was that the the judge, the federal uh, circuit court judge, was given a uh, uh, some kind of uh, paper from the uh, government as to why they they couldn't release these uh, 156 documents that were blacked out and mm -hmm. uh, and show a tremendous uh, cover up of something. <laughs> what they're not they're not uh, they're not covering one sentence they're covering up almost the whole page so there's something significant in That's there i'm calling my new record label redacted records redacted <laughs> records yeah and, and and it was made known to the judge that if he would know this reason for not re releasing it it would put his personal uh his personal, uh, how would you say, uh, reputation, security oh. at risk. And hmm. in other words, this, the knowledge of what is so secretive could be a, a problem to the judge. So he agreed with the government not to release these mm -hmm. uh, redacted information, which <laughs> I find all these years later what, is whatever would have been super provocative uh, in 1950 would still be super provocative today because mm -hmm. they didn't let anything out. Basically, mm -hmm. could you imagine if they would say, "Okay, sir, uh, yes, we we were uh, oh, we had an overflight in the 50 52 in May and July, 
we had uh, four or five UFOs fly over the White House, and we sent up uh, F-4 interceptors. And every time the <laughs> interceptors went up, these objects disappeared, but then they returned later. I mean, could you, could well, you imagine? That, this is what the pilots will, you know, the books that you have, we, we hear this, but it's never in the media except for this. <laughs> Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. Army officers say the missile, found sometime last week, has been inspected at Roswell, New Mexico, and sent to Wright Field, Ohio, for further inspection. So for those of you that are too young to know who that voice was, I, I bring it up again. His name was Walter Winchell. He was a commentator, news reporter during the, uh, the 40s, and he announced ma major uh, CBS, I think. He may have worked ABC for CBS. or CBS. Was, there was only three back then. Yeah, there wasn't there wasn't too much too <laughs> yeah. many networks then. But he he would do the announcements of major uh, events that took place during the war. I think he announced the uh, the bombing of Pearl Harbor. So most people, you know, didn't have a TV back in the forties. Uh, they had, you know, the radio was their source of information, and because. Um, yeah. Because, uh, you know, Walter Winchell had such a, uh, a curious way of uh, making his uh, reports. Uh, it, 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 people it turned on the radio. It a little bit like Broadway or something. Yeah. That, that old English speak that we used to have where it wasn't quite a British accent, but the American talk. And, and when they heard his voice, you, people used to leave the radio on almost all day. And, and when they would hear something special, they'd, they'd go over and turn the knob I mean, that's, can you imagine getting that through our radio today? that something's happening right now. And then they come out the next day and say, um, it's all, uh, we are sorry to scare you. It was, uh, uh, weather balloon. It's a little weather balloon. It's yeah. Yeah. Just go along with that, please. Weather balloon. Uh, weather, weather balloon. Yeah. And, uh, whether you know, it was a balloon or not. <laughs> do you think that in the, in, in the revealing <laughs> statement that's made by Winchell, he says that the weather balloon or the object uh, was brought to Wright Patterson. Mm -hmm. Why would no? They he said a disc. Excuse a di me. He did not say the uh, lightweight, uh, non. You know. Uh, you know. Uh, oh, that's right. Material from a shirt or something is what we found. No, yeah. he said a disc. Yeah, and why would they? Why would they have to bring something that was m misidentified? Uh, at first, as a as a flying disc, and then it turns out it's a weather balloon, and and they they didn't know that a weather balloon a balloon does not look like a disc. Yeah, and and, and we they covered this last week. <laughs> they would have to they would have to do all that work to transport it, and 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 not know what they're looking at and what they're transporting. See, if the government was smart, they would create weather balloons that look just like the UFOs, and then. <laughs> Gee, I might, my phone might ring now. You never know. It's, it's, <laughs> well, during, you heard during, it here first, folks. During the, the during the fifties, there were uh, constructions of uh, a thing called. Uh, uh, it looked like an. It looked like a UFO. It wasn't it was a flying a, disc. It was a floating disc, slightly different. It had fans <laughs> on it. It couldn't get any height, and it was oh, called we had the arrow those car. The swamp tours down down the bayou. You <laughs> get those those boats that hover off the ground. No, this one would actually <laughs> look just like a UFO, but it, except it had they can't fans. start underwater and, and then would, come out of the water right. and they, fly they, and chase airplanes no, and then zip off into the atmosphere. They so had no technical know. capabilities. I don't think the swamp tour does all that. But they did try to create swamp one. gas, though that could make you think that that's what was happening. 
they have used swamp gas as an <laughs> excuse, right? Yep. We're, we're coming to the uh, end of our, our podcast for today, but uh, the next week or two, we're going to speak about Roswell and, and the intimidation of the witnesses that, that really caused a lot of problems for the residents. Oh, that's cool. I like that angle. There's plenty of moments we could choose, huh? Yeah. And I want to give a shout out to uh, Amelia for mm-hmm. your eighth birthday. Um, oh. I will see you later at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, keep your eyes open, especially when you're in the the uh, the seat next to the window on the airplane. Or on a <laughs> boat, apparently. Yes, uh, apparently on a boat. We are going to do an episode on that. Look out for those sharks, too, because they're out there, too. <laughs> it's very interesting. They may know more than we think, the sharks. Mm-hmm. Um, so take care. Have a nice balance of the weekend. And uh, talk to you again. Yes. And don't forget, you can always visit ufostopsecret.com. You can send us a message there, or you can email us directly at ufostopsecret at protonmail.com. With any questions, topics you might have, or just anything outlandish that you might have seen, we might even have you on the show. That's right. Send us a message. Uh, and happy 40th uh, episode. Bob, oh, I think thank you, Brian. You know, I'm, I'm glad we started this thing. It's um, It's been rewarding, and um, it seems like people like it, right? They keep coming back, and we're yeah. growing and growing and growing. Yeah, we're going to try to turn this into a documentary. And, uh, yes, so shout out to all you on the Apple Podcasts and uh, those at the uh, iHeartRadio and on Podbean. We appreciate all you guys, and yeah. we'll, uh, we'll see you back. We're going to do probably two episodes next week. Yeah. we got some catch-up to do. Yeah. So take care. Listening to UFO's Top Secret with Bob Freya. Happy Fourth of July. Why are UFOs top secret? With expert Bob 